coming off the top of the cage. It is top of the cage podcast. I am Billy. As always, I have uh well he's a character today. It's a little bit before Halloween when we record this. This will probably end up coming out uh the day after Halloween, but it's a nice little Halloween special. So Justin Juice Cannon, should I call you Tony D'Angelo? Yeah, Billy, I think you gotta call me Tony D'Angelo this week. I mean, if you do, I'll give you a little uh you know, get a little tip. I just waved the dollar bill for those who are listening. I can't see. And, cool. and for those who can't see me, I am the big booty daddy. Big Papa Pump. Scott Steiner. Big Papa Pump and Tony D'Angelo hosting a podcast. Who would have ever thought it? If we add Kurt Angle to the mix, you're 66. Two-thirds chance was drastically down. Because that sacrifice, I'll take on Kurt Angle and Tony D'Angelo. Because I'm the yeah, genetic guys, freak. It actually wasn't Samoa Joe. It was Tony D'Angelo on that trip. Juice, we got, a, we got a big episode here today. Not a big episode, but a good episode here for the people tonight. I think we should start off with probably one of the most hottest news topics to come out of wrestling uh, for the week that we're – previous week that we were recording slash i'm sure this story is going to continue to break as the week goes on for the week that we post it the charlotte flair rumors about the little incident uh might have been a little bit of a shoot when they did the title exchange between her and becky the other uh other night on smackdown it's interesting because more stuff is coming out about it when the title was dropped uh reportedly when when uh charlotte dropped the title some people think it was on purpose. Charlotte says it was an accident. Becky called her out after it, and they had an argument in the back. And most of the roster supported Becky because now that there's a lot of reports from wrestling and people in the backstage in WWE, people that people that are writing about say they're a lot reliable sources. But um, they it seems like one side reports. But Charlotte Flair seems to be isolating herself from the roster and tough to work with. Which sucks to hear. We met her. She was really nice. And all fans say of that Peter. Like, I've never heard bad fan interactions with Charlotte Flair. And in the past, she used to be talked about in the locker room in a high regard. So it, it's sad to hear this. When you're in the top and you're a big star, this tends to happen. Especially when, like, the company released your boyfriend and they released your father. You might, you know, you might start to isolate yourself from the company. Well, what are your takes, Bill, on this whole uh, Charlotte Flair situation? I think it's just really interesting. Like you said, I technically I can say I've met her, and we talked about her and Rick, or me and Rick having the same birthday. I thought she was really nice, and you know, seemed like she came off as a pretty nice, genuine person. And it's weird. My biggest takeaway on this whole thing is that I don't want to say we're working ourselves into a shoot, brother, but part of me can't help but think. Survivor Series is just right around the corner. Becky and Charlotte, as characters, have always had some bad blood. The one report I thought that maybe I'm thinking might not be a work, though, is that Sonya Deville was reported to be pretty pissed off about this whole situation, too. You know, you can see her telling Charlotte to pick up the title in the ring, and apparently that was a shoot. And backstage, there was rumors that there was going to, you know, almost had an altercation, or they wanted to have an altercation. Sonya did. So... I'm not too sure. I, I'm hoping it's a work because, you know, I, I posted this on r slash squared circle myself uh, under one of these threads saying, you know, are we sure that we're not working ourselves into a shoot? And everybody's like, don't give WWE more credit than they actually have. And you know what? If they do end up working us, I'm going to be a fucking smart mark. I'm going to say that I, I knew it was going on the whole time. But I, I, hey, if it's a work, I'm, I am looking to be worked. But I know a lot of people are saying now that, you know, Charlotte's all this stuff is coming out about her, which it just is weird. You know, is it because she's on her way to AEW? Is it because of, you know, all the Andrade mess that happened with WWE or what have you? I'm not too sure. I'm hoping it's a work because I think that would be a pretty interesting feud to bring into a Survivor Series. Uh, I'm hoping it's a work too, but it seems like a lot of sources are. 
don't know, accurate and reliable and aren't usually known for like giving false information. So it could be, I, I'm thinking it's probably real. Uh, I'm hoping it's not because, um, you know, Charlotte and Becky used to be great friends. She can be a great locker room leader. And also, I don't really want her in AEW. I think she's a good fit in WWE. Um, I really want AEW to keep pushing newer talent and talent that we're not as familiar with. And if Charlotte goes there, you have to put her in the title picture or not give her the title. And I don't want that to happen. I'd rather she stay in WWE and do what she's been doing, and that's be the queen. So keep it on the topic of WWE. Uh, the pay-per-view schedule released for WWE this was it this week? Yep. Juice. I think I think that I think somebody in WWE is listening to our podcast because from the looks of it, they might be getting rid of those uh, gimmick match pay-per-views. Yeah, and um, I like that. And also another big thing came up from it. next September the third and fourth of 2022 they didn't land on a pay-per-view and the report there's a report is i don't know how accurate it is but um it comes from a reliable source i learned about it that the reason that they're leaving it flexible because they want to go head-to-head with all out and aw for a pay-per-view that's usually when all out is but also leaving it flexible because um they're negotiating with two venues one is wembley another is in london the pay-per-view will be in london is awesome um, i'm kind of excited for that and it was, it was supposed to happen in 2020 before the pandemic and the main event was going to be drew mcintyre and tyson fury and tyson fury is coming off the win of the wilder trilogy so um it would be cool to see him and I, I'd, I'd like to see him pay-per-view. i know people complain about stuff like that but i like celebrity appearances and celebrity matches as long as you do it like in big moments and if they're going head-to-head in a pay-per-view and first London pay-per-view since 2003 that's a big moment I love that so um yeah I hope they're I hope it's in Wembley I hope it's a massive crowd the other venue would be cool too but you know Wembley's Wembley and um I kind of want them to go head to head with all out I know that's tougher to watch because I want to watch both but I'm kind of curious to see what the pay-per-view numbers are going head to head I don't know. It's tough. I mean, part of me wants to see the numbers, but part of me wants to watch both. (laughs) But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Another interesting thing I I saw coming out of this was the amount of Saturday pay-per-views that they have. So uh, they have a pay-per-view for January 1st. I guess we can just run down the list since it's in front of both of us right now. Uh, So they have a Saturday, January 1st pay-per-view scheduled uh, titled WWE Day One. Not too familiar with that. The logo for it looks kind of interesting, but I'm not too familiar with the actual concept behind that pay-per-view itself. And then on Saturday, January 29th, we got Royal Rumble at the Dome in America Center in St. Louis, Missouri. And then on Saturday, April 2nd, and Sunday, April 3rd, we're going to get WrestleMania 38 at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. So that, again, confirms we will have another two-day WrestleMania. Are you a fan of the two-day WrestleManias? I am because I like as much wrestling as possible. Also, I think New Japan has Wrestle Kingdom. That's two days. I think those are always so much fun and like they incorporate the two-day system. I'd l- I think why I want WrestleMania two days is them to s- steal a little bit more from New Japan. And New Japan does a thing where their world, t- the same world title belt. I know it's like, you know, two different brand shows, but the uh, same world title belt will be defended both nights. Because usually the winner of G1 Climax has a match, and then another person has a title match against the winner of night one. And um, I'd love to see that. Like, I'd love to see, like, Roman Reigns versus The Rock on one night. I know, like, Roman Reigns and The Rock will probably happen in Hall, L.A. when they go there in 2022. But, I mean, you can't rule out the possibility of Rock versus Reigns happening um, this year because The Rock is a busy guy. They might not be able to fitted in in LA because his movie schedule for filming in like the DC like comic book universe that's about to get busier after this year so they might not have the chance so they might have to do it this year but we'll see but yeah I'd love to see Roman versus Rock on night one and then like night two it's Roman versus Drew or something like that or like Roman versus Rock one night and Roman versus another legend and another uh, it'd be cool I, I like the night I like two nights what about you 
Yeah, I mean, kind of just what you were going to say, how New Japan does it with the G1 Climax winner. You could even do it with the Royal Rumble winner at that point, too. Have have the champion kind of have two feuds going into WrestleMania. That'd be very interesting. And you could also have those two guys kind of be feuding with each other at the same time as the, oh, well, it's not guaranteed Roman's going to beat me on night one, and then you and I face off on night two, and, you know, something like that, even, even with E or somebody like that as well. I, I like it. I think that it gives everybody a bigger platform to be able to be on WrestleMania because, again, a lot of the mainstream wrestling companies, mainly being WWE and AEW, have big rosters. So I'm always a big fan of everybody getting their chance in the spotlight, especially because the the car or the talent and the cards they could put together for you know one night compared to the other are, are really massive. They're really great because you even look at last year too. You know. I think that the first night, if I remember correctly, was was a more quote unquote star studded, but they they have so many stars, stars in the making. They make their WrestleMania moment happen that I think two nights will work really well for them. And it's nice that we get both a Saturday and a Sunday pay-per-view. So that way, you know, maybe if somebody could only watch on Saturday nights, they can and then catch up on Sunday the next day or whatever it might be. So I, I'm a big fan of it. I think that it's going to be interesting to see if they continue to do it years and years down the line now. And then on Sunday, May 8th, there is a untitled pay-per-view scheduled to be at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. And then there is another unnamed pay-per-view scheduled to happen on Sunday, June 5th in the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. And then on Saturday, July 2nd, we get Money in the Bank at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, which would be really cool. I think it's interesting to look at these because you, if we're going to obviously continue online with the other big four pay-per-views, but the biggest pay-per-views of the year are all on Saturdays, which I think is a really interesting move by WWE. And then on Saturday, July 30th, which is pretty interesting that two relatively big WWE pay-per-views are happening within the same month is SummerSlam happening at Nissan stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. That would be really fun to go to, I think. But as we get to the end of this list, there's going to be something I'm sure you and I are going to talk about here juice. And then, as we said, the Saturday, September 3rd, or Sunday, September 4th pay-per-view is at a TBD location. And then to round out the year of pay-per-views, we will not be getting a December pay-per-view, it seems. But we will be getting, on Saturday, November 26th, Survivor Series coming to the TD Garden in Boston, which Juice and I can both attest to. We had SummerSlam tickets for the previous year's SummerSlam. That, have, that did not happen due to COVID, and we were monitoring it, hoping it was going to happen, and we got our tickets canceled and had to get a refund. But I am excited for a big four WWE pay-per-view to come back to Boston. November could potentially be a pretty shitty time of the year, but I'm still excited for it. I was honestly hoping Boston would get January. Oh, I, if, if it was a Royal Rumble, I, I would be the first person to buy a ticket. I would actually be the first person on pre-orders to buy a Royal Rumble ticket. Royal Rumble is my favorite pay-per-view WWE puts on. My favorite match WWE puts on as well. Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely go with you. Maybe we will for Survivor Series, because I do love Survivor Series a lot, too. Paper schedule looks good, and a lot of Saturdays. I like that. I mean, they can go later. And I can get but... pissed drunk watching wrestling and not have to worry about going to work the next day. Exactly. That's usually what people do and what I do when I watch wrestling most of the time. I just drink and drink. <laughs> yep. For those who don't know, when we watch pay-per-views together, we do have a drinking game that we play. We drink for finishers, we drink for signatures, we drink for moves up the top rope, moves to the outside, weapons being used. Uh, there's a bunch of other rules that I can't think of them all right now. Yeah, you predict the winner and yep. the winner and loses. Yeah. It's, it's a bunch of stuff. Yeah, betting okay. drinks on the winner. <laughs> I think one time we tried to do like a Michael Cole phrase because we just realized he was saying a certain phrase of the pay-per-view a lot. And at some point we were like, we can't keep track of this anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was either boss time or like big dog. <laughs> I think it was boss time. Makes <laughs> we sense. just had to stop. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it uh, should be a good year of pay-per-views. I'm excited for the London one, especially. Um, as I said already, I just want to keep reiterating that. Excited for Boston. Also sad that we didn't get to go. I'll definitely try to go to that one live because um, I've never been to a wrestling pay-per-view live. So I definitely want to change that. Interesting. I've been to a Money in the Bank before. Money in the Bank, that Seth Rollins one, actually, was the only one I've seen. Only pay-per-view I've that's seen in person. Cool. Money in the Bank is, uh, that's my favorite WWE pay-per-view. So I'm jelly. <laughs> 
right, Juice, it's time for everybody's favorite segment on top of the cage. Push, job, release. Why don't you let the people know if they're new around here what push, job, release is all about? Okay, so um, you get three. We get wait. There's three superstars, and you can either you have to push one, job one, release one. Push just up top of the card. That's your top guy, a leader, world champion, face of the company. Job doesn't necessarily mean jobber. It just means that the max they can be is a mid card champion. They're never gonna. They're gonna be a gatekeeper. They're never gonna be in the top of the card, the face of the company. They're just in the middle. Uh, release you have to make a tough decision you don't want to but you have to release them on and let them try different opportunities because of budget now we can go we'll start with we'll start with uh we'll start with the one i thought of um it is me and billy both have suggested king of the ring theme ones this time since king of the ring just happened and king woods won all hail king woods all right so i'll just jump right into it mine are king booker stone cold and Triple H. Uh, I'll just do mine for these right away. Um, mine are going to be weird. I love Booker T. Booker, I'm, I'm using Biasful on this. <laughs> Should I push Stone Cold? Yes, that's the smart business decision. Actually, you know what? No, I should. I, I put my manager DM hat on, my owner hat, when I do these. So I'm going to continue to do that. So I will push Stone Cold. I will job King Booker, though. So I will do a little bit of bias. Job and King Booker, because I want to keep him, because I love Booker. And he's such an entertaining king. Him and Chairman are great. And I'm releasing Triple H. Am I giving another company a huge star? Yes. <laughs> Should I have kept him to the Booker? Maybe, but I think Booker is a, a top star, too. And a great wrestler and a very entertaining man. So I do not regret this decision. Push Stone Cold. Job King Booker. And release Triple H. Now it's on Billy. Ours are very similar. I, I'm debating between my job and my release, but in terms of my push, it's definitely Stone Cold. I mean, the man's on almost everybody's Mount Rushmore. He was a big catalyst for WWE at the time. His feud with the Mr. McMahon character was just top-notch. You know, you can't doubt that Stone Cold Steve Austin was a money in the 90s. In terms of job and release, see, I just love Triple H. I grew up a big Triple H fan because I was none the wiser to the reign of terror as a 10 to 12-year-old child, you know. I was none the wiser to backstage politics and the click and this and that because I didn't grow up watching wrestling in the 90s. I grew up watching wrestling in the 2000s. So to me, I always, again, Kind of a, a soft spot for the heels, and Triple H has always been the top heel. The guy who has been in cahoots with the authority. The guy that has been, you know, turning on tag team partners for his own personal gain or championship gain, whatever it might be. So I still think, though, that in terms of putting Triple H in the mid card, just doesn't sound right. But at the end of the day, I think that I, if I have a company with these three, I'm keeping Stone Cold in that top seat and I'm putting Triple H in that job position, which leads me to releasing King Booker. But the thing about Booker is he made his career starting in WCW, transitioned to WWE really well. So, uh, you know, I, I have no doubt that Booker T, King Booker, whatever character he would decide to move on to another company for would do amazing somewhere else. But I think just with the caliber of talent, all three of these guys are great caliber talents, but unfortunately, I'm sorry, Booker. I really do love you. I love the fucking Spinner Rooney. I actually was watching a video today of a Spinner Rooney compilation, which is kind of funny that this question came up. But unfortunately, I am going to have to let you go to greener pastures and make your mark somewhere else. So um, that leads us to our next EJR, our friend Charles from Twitter suggested a whole list in the past and this is the second time we're using one of his pjrs and i'll just jump right into it <laughs> it's funny the first man is keith lee i'm wearing a keith lee uh shirt uh the other one is hangman adam page and then the last person is la knight i i love all these guys um they're really entertaining um i'm gonna I, I'm wearing a Keith Lee shirt, so you might, and I just said that, so you might think, oh, he's going to push Keith Lee. No, my favorite of the three is Hangman, so I'm pushing Hangman. 
Hangman's money. He's a he's gonna be a world champion in a month. Uh, Hangman. I'm gonna job Keith Lee. It pains me to job him. He's a star. He should be in the upper card. But I have to, I have to job someone. So it's Keith. Uh, I'm releasing LA Knight. I'm pretty sure he's the oldest of the three. He is magic on the mic, but I think in terms of ring talent, he's the worst of the three. But he's, he's not bad in the ring. Just you know, the other two are really great. I'm I'm releasing LA Knight, and he'll get a job elsewhere because he's full charisma and he's a great talker. So yeah, that's my PGR Hangman push, job Keith Lee, and release LA Knight. Mine would be the exact same. Again, love Hangman. I think he's incredibly funny, an incredibly young, great up-and-coming talent over the age of 30, so we unfortunately can't put him in the youngest spotlight, which we'll get to. And, again, he's going to be a world champion in a month, hopefully, and he's going to carry that championship and carry AEW's flag so well. And I that's a guy I want in my company, so I can build my future off of a guy like Hangman. Jobbing Keith Lee again. It sounds weird to say jobbing Keith Lee, but in WWE's eyes, that's all he's good for right now. Actually, well, squash matches though. He's good for squash matches too. But Keith Lee, where he is right now in WWE, is probably the position he would be with in my company. Not that I would visibly choose to be him there. Just the rules of the game would force me to keep him there. And I was never a big Eli Drake guy in Impact. And LA Knight is a character that I am starting to get behind in NXT. But, you know, comparably to these two, I see these two in my company as world champion caliber talent. LA Knight, I don't think is that within my company for these two particular guys, especially being there. So I am going to let him go to greener pastures. Am I confident that he'll land on his feet? For sure. But is it within my company? Not with these two guys. Now time for our last one. And this is from you. So you can uh, start this one off. Sure. So like Justin said earlier, him and I brought uh, King of the Ring themed push job releases and i decided to go on the less legendary side of the king of the ring and go to some of the more recent winners so on my push job release i have seamus wade barrett and baron corbin i'm sure some of you heard those three names and are probably going to start skipping because you probably could not care about those three guys but here's the thing they're all three great bigger guys all have their own unique styles of wrestling and they are former King of the Rings, and you aren't, so you can't be mad about that. So in terms of my push, Justin and I were talking about prior to the podcast, I am a huge Wade Barrett mark. I loved like the OG NXT game show. I was so fucking invested in Wade Barrett. I was I remember thinking if this guy doesn't win and gets his WWE contract, like WWE is gonna drop the ball. And then fucking Nexus happened and I was like, holy shit. Like my I don't even remember how old I was at the time, but my young ass brain could not comprehend what I was seeing when Nexus debuted. And I think it's a fucking shame. I could we could probably do a whole podcast about how I feel about the Nexus stuff and what I would have done differently, but I purely I do truly believe that. Wade Barrett deserved to become a world champion and whether it was as the lead of NXT or as the Nexus, whether it was the bad news Barrett gimmick, I truly believe that he genuinely got over with both of those. So I would put him in my push. My job, Sheamus has literally done it all within WWE and that's a guy that I would want in my company, especially in that mid-card slash gatekeeper role. He recently has, you know, really gotten shredded, seemingly worked so well in his in-ring abilities. And not that he has never really been a good in-ring performer. I think he's always been entertaining and he's always been a bruiser. And I like the bruiser meat on meat style that a lot of guys wrestle. And I think he's great in that role there. And Baron Corbin, WWE has kind of soured my Baron Corbin opinion. I, when, when he was in NXT and kind of came up to the main roster, I really liked the Lone Wolf gimmick. I thought that it worked really well. And when he won Money in the Bank, I was like, oh, shit, WWE is about to do something different. And whether it was WWE dropping the ball or Corbin himself dropping the ball, because I know that there's rumors that, you know, bigger heads didn't prevail backstage and stuff like that for Baron. And, you know, obviously his social media presence, he does it a lot in character. And, you know, sometimes people don't really know when they're being worked. So, like me, I'd, I'll be honest, I didn't know if we were getting to work during the Bobby Orlando interview. I still don't know. So, I think that I'm going to release Baron Corbin. 
But again, one of those guys where I think he can find himself somewhere else. Okay. Um, I'm actually doing the same. I am pushing Wade because I'm also a big Wade fan. Uh, fan of him when he's a wrestler, and I'm a fan of him as a commentator. He's one of my fav- He's my second favorite commentator right now, like currently, after Pat McAfee. If Moro was still around, he'd be my third. <laughs> Moro is doing more MMA right now. Um, I mean, I, you can still count him. He comes here and there now. Okay, but back on topic. Um, I job Seamus. Um, I used to I used to not like Seamus when I was younger. Um, I didn't think he was good, and also like the whole squashing Daniel Bryan thing. But that's not his fault. But um, I still didn't like him because of it. Recently, I think this 2020 really turned my mind on him, or since he came back from his injury, because he is just an animal in the ring now. The dude just puts on banger after banger after banger. Like, um, I'm glad they rewarded him with a title, even though it's for four months. He deserved it. He deserves some type of prize. Um, and he still does because he's great. And, yeah, I job him, keep him in the mid-card because he needs to be in my company. He give a lot of great matches in the mid-card or opener matches. Um, I would release Baron Corbin. I actually still like Baron. Um, I think this is a guy that, like Wade, he's – very versatile in his gimmick, and he does the he makes the best out of bad situations. Also, seems like he is really loved backstage. So I am giving up a great locker room guy, a guy that works well with management praises. But um, you know he'll definitely land on his feet because um he's a great worker. He's a good worker. So yeah, that's I'm doing the same as you. Push Wade, job Sheamus, release Baron Corbin, or Happy Corbin. Okay, now we are doing our young stud, stud, studette spotlight. So um, superstars under the age of 29. They're both male this time. I'll start off with mine. It is 24-year-old Austin Theory. Um, he is now on Raw. And um, they've been using him every week. And he's been winning. So I, I like him getting the push and being used. I was hoping he'd be the lovable dummy son of Gargano. <laughs> I know Gargano's on NXT still, but, um, but who knows for how long. But yeah, Austin Theory, is uh, he does great character work. It's funny. He can be the cocky, like, arrogant young heel. Uh, he does great in work, ring work. Uh, definitely a promising superstar. I'm excited to see what he does. I remember, I think, one of his first matches on NXT that I recommend you go watch was it was during Christmas and it was versus Roderick Strong. Double, double check me, but I'm pretty sure it's him, Roderick Strong. Uh, another match that I do recommend that I know happened is um, the Evolve Libraries on Peacock. So look up, you might have to look up the specific Evolve in, but the title match versus J.D. Drake is great. Uh, that's a great match. And yeah, those are the two matches I recommend to watch for him, learn for him. Also, you can find a bunch of other indies matches for him because even though he's very young, he's had a lot of experience. Uh, very talented guy. Yep, that's my young stud. Yes, and kind of going back to what you said, uh, this interview for our Brian Milanis interview will have been out by now, so make sure you guys go and listen to it. But one of the things Brian said was, you know, you guys need to get experience by working a ton of matches. And Austin Theory kind of is that. I, I do, again, like you said, believe that he is – I, I just love his look. I just love the way that he looks. Like he just looks like a true young pro wrestler who is just absorbing so much knowledge and already getting to work some of the biggest names that have ever graced the WWE world. And he's doing so well in his gimmick, and he did so well in his gimmick with NXT in the way. Uh, I Again, I love the himbo character. I love himbo characters in general. You know, characters like Troy from Community, like those those characters just get me. I, am I a himbo? No. Am I a himbo by heart? Yeah. But, yeah, I, I do think uh, Austin Theory is for sure somebody to be looking out for. And even though this is the young stud stud at Spotlight, he is definitely one of the most promising young studs we have showcased so far. Now for technically not mine. So... 
friend of the pod slash my other co-host for My Dad's a Chef, also available on Spotify and any other platform you listen to us on. You should go check us out. We shouted out this podcast there this week, so I'm going to sh- return the favor, even though they're both my podcasts. Uh, my co-host, Kyle, asked me, and claiming to be a big fan of this, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm dressed like Scott Steiner, so I'm going to cut a Scott Steiner promo on you real quick. Flanny. You always tell me that you're a big fan of Top of the Cage podcast. And you come to me and tell me you want to present Top Dollar as one of your Young Stud Spotlights. But you do not realize Young Stud Spotlight is for 29 and under people. And Top Dollar is 31. He is 31. So I don't know. Flanny, if you did your research, or you just assumed, or if you don't actually know the rules and you don't listen to us, Top Dollar is 31. However, we will still include him as an asterisk in this young stud spotlight. He's young to wrestling. He's young to wrestling. We'll give you that. Uh, Juice, you want to give us your opinion on Top Dollar? Yeah, uh, I remember when he was AJ Francis coming out of Florida State playing football. I was a fan of him then. I remember some of his interviews, even on like draft day, he got funny uh, on the carpet. Uh, dude's always had good charisma. Then when he was announced to be signed by WWE NXT, and then when he was announced as one of the four members of Hit Row, I loved it. And I was like, you know, he probably can't go in the ring. And I don't, I don't know what I expect from him. I mean, I know he has charisma, but I don't know if he can talk in the mic. But we'll see. I think he could. I think he definitely can. Pat McAfee. Being able to talk about it made me think, oh, AJ Francis definitely could too. And then he talked, he rapped, and I'm like, yep, I love it. I'm a big fan of Hit Row, big fan of Top Dollar. Uh, Top Dollar was in the new uh, wrestling talk recently for his little uh, shot at the Young Bucks for um, <laughs> shoe comments, uh, which is funny. And then he made a little diss rap about it. Uh, I love it. Top Dollar is, uh, you know, he reps his brand getting better and better in the ring. You know, they need to keep giving him matches. He, he definitely could talk. He's a great talker. Like, uh, one of the best already in the company. <laughs> like, he's still new to it, and I love it. Uh, Top Dell is a good one, even though he's 31. Uh, I let it slide because um, I love Top Dell, and I it's already known that people that listen to this know that I am a hit row mark. So give me a chance to talk about any of the four members of Hit Row. I will do it. So <laughs> I love it. I love the top dollar choice. Um, big things for this young man and for the half action. For sure. And a lot of the reports coming out from the draft was that top dollar was the person at a Hit Row that WWE wanted to focus and push on the most. And I think that it's really interesting. Like you said, he has that kind of mainstream appeal from being a, a ball player and think that Hit Row as a collective are so good on the mic, because I feel like not just one individually of them are so good on the mic, they all are. And I, I've never been too familiar with his in-ring experience, so that's kind of where I'll say that I'm not the biggest versed on, you know, how good he can go in the ring, so I'm not really going to praise him on that just yet. However, you know, talking with you and I guess Flanny at that point too, that you know, I know that he has the stuff. That's that's the important thing is he has the stuff. And that's the thing about the Young Stud Spotlight. You know, they're young. They're, they're young, but they're studs. They don't have to be perfect at their game yet because in today's day and age, wrestlers are going to the age of 50. I mean, I, I know a lot of guys work safer styles once they get older and stuff, but, you know, he, he is a bigger man. He's not He's going to be working a relatively safe style anyway. So he has a lot of time because he already has the development of his character and his charisma. So he has time to really develop in the ring. And I know that's what a lot of people were saying when WWE was – the reports were coming out that WWE wanted to be him to be the kind of quote-unquote top star from, from Hit Row. But, you know, I – I am very optimistic for him. I think if, if a wrestler has a character and a wrestler has good promo skills, that in-ring work can come with time. You look at a guy, and I'm just to use him as an example here, like Enzo. I never really thought Enzo was amazing in the ring, but God damn could he talk and encapsulate an audience. And 
he kind of started to work with it. Working with 205 Live, working with guys closer to his size, he kind of did get end up getting better in the ring. I mean, he did get concussed by hitting his head off a rope, but you know, we'll let Simon Gotch and uh, now going to have that YouTube shoot in your suggestions for the next two months because you listen to this podcast. And I said that, uh, tell you about how, how Enzo was backstage. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to add about Top Della that we said that actually is, it's not negative. You know, I do want him to be pushed and hit row pushed. The fact that WWE sees him as the most valuable of hit row. That's something I do disagree with, and I've said it before. I think Swerve has made events potential. Um, top Dollar maybe does too, because he is a really good talker and a big man. A big man can easily be put in the main event. Swerve is special. Uh, don't sleep on Swerve. I turned this on that Swerve spotlight, but yeah. Uh, top Dollar is great. All four hit row. Great. I really want Top Dollar and Swerve to be given the tag belts very soon. Like I'd love to see a triple threat on SmackDown, an upcoming pay-per-view between Hit Row, the Usos, and the New Day. And Hit Row comes out with the titles. That's what I would love. And I think that'd be high quality match as well. And continuing on the trend of Hit Row, which I guess kind of is pretty convenient, we go to our fantasy booking segment known as How Would You Book Them? Where we strap on our fantasy booking hats for storyline dreams and so a writing team will hire us. Juice, you brought us this one tonight, so as always, we'll let you go first. Hit Row's first feud, I know we just kind of talked about it, but how would you book it and who would it be against? Yeah, it's funny. It's actually ex- exactly as I just said. Um, it would be against, it would be tr- kind of a triple feud between New Day and the Usos. And um, I'd make it a long one. Like maybe New Day and Usos have a title match at pay per view first, and Hit Row gets involved, and like number one contenders match. Um, and like Hit Row wins, but they cheat. And then New Day does some shenanigans to cost them the title. And then eventually it just becomes a triple threat in a pay-per-view. I think this gives them, so I'd say around like, um, like a three-month feud for this that ends. So you give Usos more time with the belt. And you also give them plenty of opportunities to do promos all at each other. And um, I'd like to see a rap battle between Top Dollar or t- Top Dollar and Swerve. A, do, a two-on-two rap out. Swerve and a Top Dollar versus Kofi and Xavier Woods. <laughs> and um, then the Usos can, uh, you know, <laughs> rap battle the winner and stuff like that. Fun little segments like that. I'm not the biggest Usos fan. They're in top of the company and they can go in the ring. But most, most, well, most of why I had this feud is one new day versus hit row i think that's fire in the mic and in the ring and also i think even though i don't love the usos i think i would want to protect the usos in the ring and their title loss and also you could extend it after that if they're not pinned then they can that's another pay-per-view match right off the bat for hit row because um, tag division, you kind of have to do uh, re- rematches and um, continue feuds. So, yeah, I'd have Hit Row win it around, like, so Survivor Series is brand versus brand. So, yeah, three months around, like, February, around, like, Elimination Chamber is when I'd have a triple threat between the three teams and have Hit Row take the titles. So that's how I would book them. I like it. I think that I, I, I personally would really want to book them that way, but I want to make sure I present a different uh, scenario than you do because we need to be adaptable for any wrestling company that hires us. So my suggestion would be that Hit Row, maybe they come out to the ring, maybe they interrupt these people, but we get King Nakamura, our current Intercontinental Champion, and Rick Boogs in the ring. Maybe Rick's just jamming out, cutting a promo, whatever it might be. You got Nakamura in there, too, doing his thing. And Hit Row comes out, and they start, you know, whether it's them just cutting a normal promo or starting to rap, 
I what I would want to come out of that initial interaction is we get a music off that we get Rick Boogs just shredding on a guitar singing maybe we get Nakamura to get a couple lines in there as well because I mean a broken English Nakamura hitting a diss track would be pretty cool uh, and then obviously you know hit row responds and then I think that again I know WWE would probably put Top Dollar in in that situation to go against Nakamura in a one-on-one -on -one match but I do believe it should be Swerve Scott to be the one to go into that one-on-one -on -one match and Maybe the, the first matchup is shenanigans, you know, give it away for free on TV then give the second match and a stipulation for a pay-per-view. Maybe it's something along the lines of, I, I maybe I'm going to say a steel cage just because I feel like steel cages are good to keep nuisances out. And then you can also have to both top dollar and Rick Boogs being extremely entertaining on the outside of that steel cage match. I think you have Swerve use his mobility to kind of outmaneuver Nakamura at some point, kind of just simply get the one up on him. You know, he might out, you know, Nakamura might out wrestle him during the whole match, but Swerve is just uh, a smart heel and gets himself out of the cage and wins the Intercontinental Championship. Again, we, we just fucking love Hit Row around here. More specifically, well, I want to say more specifically, we love Hit Row around here. We love Swerve Scott. We love all of them. We think that they all have all the potential in the world. But you know, maybe, maybe what maybe what will happen is they'll win using my booking, and then they'll win using your booking, and then they just have all the championships. I would like that. I want them um, in as many feuds as possible, and um, I'd love them to see as many belts as possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, Swerve is IC champ. That's something I I've wanted. Uh, I almost pitched that. I actually pitched almost pitched the same similar feud. Uh, I had in my notes on um, rock and roll versus rap. Who wins? And, um, yeah, so it's funny. That's the, that's where you went with that. And I love it. I love it. Um, putting a belt on Swerve, the IC belt on Swerve. Love that too, because I'm very much over on Swerve. So yeah, I love that. And that ends our fantasy book segment, how you book them, where we strap on our fantasy booking hats. Now we're going to go to a new segment. It's not really named. It's just, uh, it's a discussion topic segment. Uh, we just talk about just overall wrestling things, even if it's uh, company specific or if it's like, something that happens in wrestling specific and this one is company specific and it's about aw and uh, i'll just ask the question and you can uh, tackle it first uh does aw need or would you want aw to have some type of match with a prize is a title match at any time so a type of money in the bank contract or call your shot gauntlet contract um or NXT Rising Star contract, and you get, um, and that that contract can be defended. So, and also, and the G1 Climax case can be thrown in that category too. Do you think AW needs that, or would you want AW to have that? I don't think it's a need, personally. Again, their their ranking system is really one of the things about AEW that sets them apart from other wrestling companies right now, be it that they keep track of wins and losses, wins and losses really matter in who is getting championship opportunities, who is being the one to, you know, be the next in line for be it the TNT, uh, the AEW men's or women's world championships. I'm sure the TBS title will be like that once its inception is created. I, I love the gimmick though. I'm not going to sit here and act like AEW doesn't need, there doesn't, shouldn't use the gimmick rather. Not that they need it, but they shouldn't use it. Cause when I first heard the casino ladder, the casino ladder match happening, I assumed that is for something that is redeemable at any time for a championship match. But then I saw it was a giant poker chip and I was like, okay, well, that's not really brand friendly or something that is able to be carried around well. I would love to see it though, because again, it kind of gives you the it can, it can give a mid card guy the opportunity to become a top card guy. That's that's my biggest thing about Money in the Bank too. You get a guy like Biggie, right? Where, yeah, he was he was you know tickling tickling the taint of the upper card and 
he had to get that one big moment to get him out of the, the upper mid card into the full upper card. And winning money in the bank was, was truly that for him. So I think that it's a good catalyst for a younger guy or a guy who's never been a champion to get that first championship thing. And, you know, I know typically it can go to heels and there's heelish tactics to kind of do it. But I think E really proved that a baby face can do it by being both believable and, you know, he technically did announce the day of on his cash and on Twitter. So it's not like he was a heel and did it sneakily. He legit just told Bobby Lashley, hey, I'm going to beat you tonight and I'm going to take your championship. And you and I were both there and we saw it happen. Do they need it? No. Would I like to see it? Yes, just because I'm a fan of the gimmick. But I think that with the ranking system, it would be tough to make legitimacy towards a champion. But at the same time, it can get a guy to the mid card. Here, I actually think, uh, one, I want it, and two, I actually think they do need it. I think you got to keep adding new elements and type of prizes as your company goes. With the ranking system, um, just the contenders for the match, just have them be the top, like, the top five. And then if you want to have six people in the match, then just have, like, next contender match for it uh, to get that final spot in turn. And then, you know, when they cash in, it's someone that's at the top. And um, also, like, you can use the ranking systems and, like, in terms of defending the case or contract. Like, if the winner is ranked number four and number one's like, you don't deserve that, I should have it, then that's a few for the, the contract right there. And um, tie in rankings into feuds of contract and make it uh, tied more into AW ranking system culture. But um, also the ranking system, sometimes they, most of the time they do, it, it, that's how they build their title events, um, their title matches and such. Once in a while they don't. <laughs> Once in a while they go around it. It just adds a fun element. I think I love that impact has call your shot gauntlet and it's like a different type of match for it. It doesn't even have to be a ladder match. Like um, G1 Climax in New Japan, it's a tournament that has like two blocks and you, you're fighting. It's the people with the best point, most points in each block then face each other and the winner of that gets a guaranteed Wrestle Kingdom title match when Wrestle Kingdom comes around. And then Call Your Shot Gauntlet Impact, it's um, the 20-person Battle Royal where the where it's intergender and the last two people turns into a singles match and just one by pin for the final two. Um, AW could like make a new match. They could a match that we've never seen before. Well, I mean, like you know, that ties in elements of certain matches. An AW special match with a special prize that gains you a, a contract any time. And at times, I think I love AW. I think it's the most consistent product right now. But um. I think it, it gets really predictable, even surprise debuts. Like, I feel like most time when I'm predicting a WWE pay-per-view, I can get most of them wrong. I can get most of them right, or I can get them all wrong. Well, AEW, I think, like, I, I, last one we watched All Out, I think I got, like, one match wrong, and then that's usually how it goes. Like, it's usually predictable who wins, and... um I just think this could add a more surprise element to it and a more shock factor. When will they cash in? Um, who's Is the contract going to change hands? Stuff like that. Um, and I think that's needed in AEW. I do think a little more of a surprise factor and a wow factor is needed for it. Um, not that they don't have a wow factor. I just, you know, keep adding new elements and add an element surprise. Yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. What kind of match do you think they could do differently? Let's, let's re-put our fancy booking hats on here for a second. Do you have, like, an idea for a match like that? I like Royal Rumble and Battle Royals. And I know maybe, like, you could do a five-person, I guess maybe an idea. I know that the appeal of Battle Royal is multiple people in the ring at the same time. But maybe like fuse a battle royal and a gauntlet match together. 
So I have two people in the ring and then when you just toss them over and keep doing it that way. Um, another idea possible is maybe, hmm, it's tough because so many matches exist. That it's, really not, it's hard to think of a new type of match. Maybe a type of multi-fall match, like first the three pins uh, wins. Or, um, yeah, that would be an interesting way. Maybe first first three pins wins the match. Or first to two falls in a fatal five-way is the winner. Something like that. Um, I don't know. Would you have any ideas for a possible match? When you were just talking about that, one one match type that I really liked that never got brought back was the championship scramble. Okay. And you saying, like, the multi-pin thing, I think would be more interesting of instead of the last person to get the pins it's whoever gets the most pins in the match you know kind of like how the royal rumble you know they usually have people get like the most eliminations and that's like a big feather in people's caps to get the most eliminations so i think that encouraging you know guys because you could get somebody like uh let's say just like a brian cage for instance or maybe a powerhouse hobbs too at that point you know just have them completely murder people right like the match is coming to an end they get their kip up they get their second win whatever the beast wrestlers get and you know they go on a tear and get like three pins in a row but some guy has four right and you give them like the last five minutes of the match whatever it is right like just them trying to get it and you can go in the route of okay yeah they both tie at four now it's sudden over death between these two people sudden death next pinfall submission wins have you know depending on who's the heel who's the face you know however you want to have that match end you do but that way all the other guys are kind of out of the way at that point you know you could probably do like the first two or three of them where like some guy gets a definitive win and then you know and then you get a sudden death over time with like two bigger stars maybe it's like a mjf and jungle boy for instance right because we're talking specifically about AEW here especially if it's a couple years down the line i do truly believe those two you know i know they're considered pillars of AEW, so um that'll be pretty cool to see you know a match like that i don't know i i feel like it is like you said it's tough to make up a new match type but uh, a championship scramble where instead of it's whoever gets the last pin wins it's whoever gets the most pins in the match in the certain time limit wins and you can have them go into sudden death if they tie and i don't know I like that and i think doing something that allows time limit fits aw really well since they're big on like time limit matches like, this is a 20 minute time limit and um yeah, I think most pins in a certain time limit would uh, be good. I, I know that's not new, but, um, you know, you give it its own special name, make it new. You could add certain stipulations in it to change it up. Put it in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, you do, like, put it in a cell. <laughs> do it that way. Or, like, they're big. That's a company that has, like, hardcore elements. You can make, like, a type of EC, ECW, like, cage with a bunch of weapons and, like, trash cans in it and stuff like that. I almost wanted to say first blood, but wrestlers in AEW bleed all the time. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's like a four-minute match, if even. <laughs> Knowing them, they'd go to get the first blood and then do it by accident early in the match. They'd just be like, well, shit. Yeah. Or maybe the casket matches <laughs> are buried alive. It's five people. This is the last person that's not buried <laughs> wins. <laughs> Something crazy. Something just weird and random. I love some chaos. Yeah, so I think that's it from uh, Isers for that. But um, I would love to see some AW contract. Just like a, I think that would fit a character like MJF so well too. Like a, and if MJF won a contract and cash at any time, like that just makes him more of a major heel. If he just <laughs> a dude's just beat up after a explosion match, <laughs> John Moxley just explodes. <laughs> with all the fireworks like revolution and then mjf just comes out pins them <laughs> that would be crazy just covered in blood from barbed wire and mjf just pins them in a couple seconds uh it would definitely be a very mjf so yeah i'd, I'd i definitely want to see something like that in the future and i'm sure they can create a original match much better than we can i think tony tony has such knowledge of the game that neither of us comes close to the knowledge of wrestling that he has so he could definitely think of something like original and fun if he ever wanted to do this type of thing so tony um yeah do it 
and then also comment on our pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Juice, to round out this episode, like we said earlier, this is a little Halloween-themed episode. You're Tony D'Angelo. I'm Scott Steiner. And you brought up a pretty good discussion topic for us to talk in terms of a Halloween-slash-horror-movie character battle royale. So you are pitting eight of the most infamous horror or slasher movie icons together. And we are going to see who would win in a battle royale. So the eight characters that we are presenting here tonight are Chucky from Child's Play, Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th franchise, Pennywise from the It franchise, Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, Ghostface from the Scream franchise, Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw franchise, Candyman from Candyman, and Michael Myers from the Halloween franchise. Wow. Can I just say this right away? Yes. Chucky is the first one eliminated. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to say something like that. So um, maybe, you know, Royal Rumble, Chucky could pull a horn swabble and hide into the ring. But um, this is a battle royale. I can't leave the ring. And it's Chucky, very smart. Yes, he's wide, He's in the wide open. There's nowhere to go. And um, lots of powerhouses. Maybe stab people's ankles with this knife. But um, uh, a lot of these people are powerhouses. That's really not going to do that much. Uh, yeah, so Chucky's the first gone. Uh, but this is, you have to put Chucky in there. He's an he's a icon and a classic. And also, he's about to, he's about to make an appearance in Halloween Havoc. And he's appeared in Nitro. Like he has to, he has to be in a fantasy wrestling match. You, you gotta. But yeah, he's the first gone. The second gone, maybe, maybe he might be eliminated before Chucky. Um, is Ghostface. Now there's different iterations of Ghostface. I'm thinking, in my opinion, I forget his name, but he's a uh, he's Sidney Prescott's brother, and he's the villain in the third one. He's the smartest because he's the only one that he's a bulletproof jacket and he didn't have his buddy like, stab him or do stupid stuff. So he he and he has the highest kill count. He seemed like the smartest. He, he had the most original kills. You don't really get the scheme much in a battle royal. I think I actually, you know what? I think I'm having him get eliminated first. I think Chucky could use his size to escape things in some situations. He's got his trusty knife. Yeah, Ghostface got a knife too, but um, I don't know. I think Chucky. Maybe as a he he's a lot harder than kill. I mean, Ghostface. Every movie there's a new one. Chucky's the same Chucky, and, and he's taking some punishment. So yeah, I think Chucky goes second. Ghostface goes first. I think Freddy Krueger gets eliminated next. Freddy, this is a guy that usually uses tricks and um, putting people to sleep. He's he's against the powerhouses. Michael Myers, Jason. Uh, Jason has already beaten Freddy Krueger. I think they continue to do. Jason gets eliminated. Uh, Freddy's out next. Um, then I think Leatherface, because he's just a normal human. Um, I think he gets eliminated. Candyman, that's magical. I think he gets eliminated after that. So that leaves it to Jason, Pennywise, and Michael Myers. Pennywise, he, he can do some pretty powerful things, but he's reliant on fear. Jason and Michael Myers, they don't have any fear. They're just one-track men. So I think they can eliminate him. Maybe if he turns into some giant creature, they still limit, they just pick up the creature with the same strength and throw him out. Pennywise is out. That leaves Jason and Michael Myers. And this is tough. Michael just won't die, but Jason is immortal. Um, I think Jason, I think Jason wins, but it's a tough battle. I mean, I know people say, oh, Michael Myers, this is a human. I'm like, yeah, I know the Halloween franchise is like, a human it's not like supernatural like friday 13th but um i just watched a movie where he got like stabbed like hundreds of times beat with pats shot a few times <laughs> he survived a fire <laughs> he killed a bunch of firefighters jacked firefighters like 10 of them by himself this dude is in a mob of angry people um this man <laughs> michael myers will go down that easily um but i do think jason gets the win uh, despite that, because Jason doesn't go down easily either. 
I'm I'm pretty close to agreeance with you. I you know kind of going back to the ghost face thing. I do think he might go first. Him, Chucky. Like I don't want to say Freddy Krueger third, but the realistic part of me is like Freddy only has knives on his hands. So assuming that he doesn't have his gloves on, assuming that you know he's not he doesn't have weapons. You know, he isn't well again, but like we just said though, it's it can't kill most of these people with just normal knives and you know flesh wounds and stuff like that. But I do think Freddy gets tossed next. Yeah, that's tough. I I think Candyman might go next again. I, I never have actually seen Candyman because I am a little pussy when it comes to scary movies, and I've just heard that Candyman's an extremely scary movie. So I have not seen it. I don't know who I want to go between Leatherface, Pennywise, Michael Myers, and Jason. I'm a big Jason Mark. Like, I I really like the Friday the 13th movie franchises. I like the Texas Chainsaw movie franchises, too. The thing is, is, like, I like the gorier movies than I do the actual, like, relies on fear scary movies. So, and that's kind of where I get a soft spot for them. Pennywise, I think I'm eliminating just purely because out of all the ones that are left, I'm the most afraid of him. <laughs> but like you said, though, he feeds off fear. So how much power is he truly going to have? I think Leatherface would do better against both of these guys than you think. But at the end of the day, he doesn't really have that supernatural power. He is technically killable. So, you know, I think if Jason and Michael get together, you know, hit him with that double clothesline over the top rope, I think he's going over. Uh, this one's just tough. I, I think I'm going to put Jason over here, too, against Michael Myers again. Big Jason, Mark. But, I again, I I've just have seen him handle people with just one arm and just fucking yeet that bitch. So, you know, he, he can uh, catch Michael Myers off guard once and just grabs him by the collar of that uh, – jumpsuit and just over the fucking top rope you go so yeah i i think uh i think jason goes over and we would love to hear what you guys believe for the halloween character battle royale on which of those eight characters you think would win where can people find us uh you can find us on twitter uh capital t capital o capital t capital c underscore capital p o d Instagram, TOTC underscore pod. Um, I will post an Instagram post and I'll do a Twitter one too. Maybe just uh, Instagram. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll post a picture of like all eight of them and you know, say it's a battle rail, throw them over the top rope, stuff like that. And you can say who you can win, who you have winning, and in which order people get eliminated. Or you can just say who wins. You can do whatever you want. You know, this is just a free little, I'm a, I'm curious what other people have. I hope we get some comments on it. I want to engage with people. I'll definitely talk to you guys about it. I'm sure Billy will too. Yeah, I'm, this this is a fun little experiment. And um, even now, my, my mind's kind of like turning and like changing a little bit on things. But uh, I still stick with Jason here. I'm a big Friday 13th guy. I mean, of these movie franchises, my favorite is the Scream franchise. I'm a big Scream guy. But uh, I knew Ghostface didn't have a chance here. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he's almost the most mortal out of them all. So, yeah, yeah since there's a new one every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or two of them. <laughs> My favorite, uh, though, is I, I'm a big fan of the Saw movies. If I'm going to choose a scary slash horror movie. Again, I just love the gory shit. I'm, I don't really do jump scares. I don't really do demons or you know ghosts those just those feel too real to me even though of course the fucking gory ones are literally people getting mutilated and shit but i don't know ghosts spook me so <laughs> those feel i i'm probably a similar way like like scream and like leather face and like um those are like more possible especially ghost face that's more possible than like chucky or uh, Pennywise, but Pennywise scares me a lot more than Ghostface does. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's funny how that works because that's a lot of people think that way too. And some people are just, you know, not, nothing scares them at all. Yeah, I'm a little wimp, but I've been going into horror movies and liking them more and more recently. Um, with Jigsaw, I almost put Jigsaw in, but I think it's just tough because um, there's so many iterations in the first 
most iconic one is an old man <laughs> dying of disease. Yeah, not, yeah, sick old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah so he's, like I, he's tough. That's that's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, he's is he brilliant? Yeah, maybe in like a match that's like a like a ladder match or a Royal Rumble, like something you can use your mind a little more. Like um, a Jigsaw would make it in, or a Chucky would do better. But um, this is a Battle Royal. Maybe next year we'll do a, a horror movie ladder match because <laughs> then things might change because, you know, Sami Zayn used his brain to win a ladder match. A brain can win a ladder match. You can just handcuff people to a ladder. You can do all tricks. Uh, there's other matches. You know, you, you do a, you know, maybe some people can make some factions because, like, ghosts, if we have a match where factions can help, then there's, like, ghost space there's like eight of them <laughs> so that, that would help leather face has his family you know there's different ways we could approach this in the future all iterations um, of jason yeah yeah every <laughs> jason x every jason yeah his mom he's got his manager's mom the first friday 13 and like you know maybe like freddie and jason have a temporary alliance that's kind of what happened in Freddy versus Jason. Uh, there's more than one iteration of Candyman. Oh, yeah, there's different, you know, there's different matches where some of these others could have a chance. But in a Battle Royal, Jason is the winner for both of us. But we want to see what you say. So, you know, comment in those uh, social media as we mentioned earlier. And um, that ends our Halloween spooky episode with that fun Battle Royal. And in addition to socials, leave an Apple podcast review. No, we don't got any reviews on those. So um, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, or even if you don't have an iPhone, just, you know, leave us a nice little star rating, some nice words. <laughs> We'd appreciate it. And we'll Thank shout you, you out, too. We don't, don't think we won't shout you out. We monitor that shit, baby. And we, yeah. want, we, want, we want you guys to feel like you're getting put over because we're all about putting over people here on top of the cage. Yeah, if if you listen and you interact with us, talk to us, like DM us and stuff, we'll shout you out. We wanna we wanna create good relationships and we wanna have an interactive podcast. It's fun for everyone, and it's more than just you listen to us talk. It's also stuff outside of that. So yeah, definitely um, definitely reviews. We'll shout you out. Send us those push job releases um, if you want. Send us some youngsters spotlight to can. I mean, we got plenty planned for those. I got like a whole list, but um, definitely if you want to talk one sooner than I have planned, that's that's great too. Definitely, you know, talk to us. And with all that in mind, we are coming to a crashing end here on top of the cage as we get closer to the mat. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed our interview with Brian Milanis. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoy all the other content we produce. And we hope to see you next time.